Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sunup. The Daily Sunup podcast is a conversation with the Colorado Sun. See our trust indicators at coloradosun.com slash ethics. It's Wednesday, February 14th. Today, Colorado Sun political reporters Brian Eason and Jesse Paul talk about the history of gun control legislation in Colorado and what bills the Democratic majority in the legislature plans to introduce at the Capitol this year to curb gun violence. Before we begin, Colorado Sun News may be free, but it is not free to produce, thanks to our members who make our journalism possible. This week only, first-time members can join us with a special 20% off introductory rate for select membership packages. Visit coloradosun.com save20 for more details. Again, that's coloradosun.com slash save, S-A-V-E, 20, T-W-E-N-T-Y. Members power the sun, and we are grateful for your support. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. John Prowers was a pivotal figure in southeastern Colorado's mid-19th century history, who passed away on this day in 1884. Starting his journey on the Santa Fe Trail at 18, Prowers worked for William Bent and eventually married a Cheyenne woman named Amachi. Together, they built a successful cattle business. Despite challenges, including detention during the Sand Creek Massacre, which took Amachi's father's life, the Prowers prospered, controlling a significant stretch of the Arkansas River and amassing a vast estate. Their legacy endures in Prowers County, named in his honor, and their final resting place in Las Animas Cemetery, symbolizing their substantial impact and the blending of cultures in the region. Before we continue, the Colorado Sun has virtual and in-person events all year long. Join conversations on politics, healthcare, the environment, transportation, education, and much more. Sign up for the free events monthly email so you can be the first in line for registration. Visit coloradosun.com slash events today. Next, our feature story. Good morning, Colorado, and welcome to the Daily Sunup. It's Wednesday, which means we will be talking Colorado politics. I'm Brian Eason. I'm joined here today by Jesse Paul, our political reporter who just got back from a ski trip to Utah. Jesse, how was the powder down there? It was good. Better... Better there than being at the Capitol. Wow, you thinking about moving down there? Don't, Le- don't give me any ideas. <laughs> leaving me alone? All right, so today we're going to talk a little bit about gun legislation. Uh, Democrats have put forward uh, a number of bills already to tighten regulations on gun ownership and, and, and safety, and uh, I think we're expecting there to be more on the way. So Jesse, first let's set the table a little bit. Uh, remind us what happened last year at the state Capitol uh, on, on gun control. Well, I think to have this conversation, you actually have to go all the way back to 2013 when the legislature took up kind of a big slate of gun legislation in the wake of the Sandy Hook school massacre and in the wake of the 2012 Aurora theater shooting aimed at just trying to prevent these kind of tragedies from happening again. So they imposed things like universal background checks on all gun sales. They limited the size of gun magazines to 15 rounds. And in the wake of that, two Democratic senators were recalled and the third one resigned in kind of a giant political upheaval. There were national reporters from all over the country descending upon Colorado to write about this. I remember I was in college, but it was such a big deal that it was like on the front page of the New York Times. Recall supporters were jubilant over their double victory. Because we're delivering a warning of a new reality in politics. In the wake of that, not only did these senators lose their jobs, 
One of the senators who was recalled was actually the Senate president. Morse for John Morse, president of the state Senate, who said passing tough gun laws was worth losing his job. Any other legislator in the state in the country ought to be proud if they get taken out after making their state safer from gun violence. But Democrats actually lost their majority in the state Senate in the 2014 elections, which gave Republicans a foothold in the Capitol and basically stifled any future gun legislation. But also just these recalls in general and the political reaction to it really sent shockwaves through Democrats and said, don't touch this issue. It became kind of a political third rail in Colorado. So fast forward to 2018 and uh, Republicans are still in charge in the Senate. Massacre happens in Parkland, Florida. And in the wake of that, in addition to a situation in Colorado where a deputy was killed and a few others were, were wounded, uh, there was a increased focus on gun control in Colorado and Democrats and Republicans, a few Republicans teamed up to try and bring the red flag law. That failed. And then Democrats that election year in 2018 won a majority, came back 2019, they passed the bill with their new majority. Republicans saw another political opportunity to try and remove these Democrats who were behind that legislation and brought forth a few recall efforts. All of them failed pretty spectacularly. They didn't even make it to the ballot. They're 0 and 6. No, no, not the Denver Broncos. They're two and five, which means they've at least had success. The 0 and 6 record belongs to the groups trying to recall Democrats in the state legislature and the governor. And so it was a sign for Democrats who had been kind of shaky on this issue that, look, we can do whatever we want and there are no political consequences. So in the years that followed, Democrats kind of felt more emboldened and started to bring an increasing number and level of gun bills. And that brings us to 2023 when the legislature passed, I think, its biggest slate of gun control measures that it probably had in Colorado history. So there was an expansion of that red flag law that was passed originally in 2019. There was a bill passed that raised the age to purchase any firearm to 21 from 18. Prior, it was only uh, 21 up for handguns. Now it's for rifles and shotguns, everything like that. And then a bill imposing a three-day waiting period on gun purchases that you know says, hey, if, if you want to buy a gun, you have to wait three days between when you pay for it and you actually pick it up. And finally, there was a bill passed that expanded the ability for people to sue the gun industry in Colorado, which was seen as a really big, um, kind of wonky, but important legal change in state law. So those things all passed. And that brings us to this year. That's interesting. So, you know, a lot got done last year. Uh, are you expecting Democrats to leave the issue alone and kind of move on to other things? Or is this still really top of mind uh, among the Democratic caucus? Well, to be frank, after last year's big slate of gun legislation that was passed, I was a little curious what else they could do, because now we're getting into the territory where we're no longer kind of a follower in terms of gun policy. Like the bills that we passed in 2023 in Colorado were all kind of things that other states had in the books. But now we're kind of entering this phase where Colorado Democrats and the legislature are trying to push the bar even further and start to actually lead on this issue as opposed to be kind of one of the trailing states. So yeah, they are bringing a bunch of different pieces of legislation this year. And one of the interesting things is whereas in the past, they were kind of trying to skirt a political line not to upset conservative or Republican voters or, or maybe pro-gun rights unaffiliated voters. Now the thing that they're running into is how far will the Democratic Party go, right? The only hurdle to passing this legislation is internal debates or dissension among Democrats about how far they should go. So some of the bills that we're starting to see or we know are coming include ones that would expand the list of places where you can't have a concealed 
weapons. So that would include, if this bill passes, parks, hospitals, uh, medical offices, churches, synagogues, mosques, stadiums, amusement parks, uh, marijuana, hospitality business, kind of a, a laundry list of places. Another bill would require that people who have or want to get a concealed carry permit go through live fire training and go through like an eight hour course as a bare minimum. And then there's legislation that would increase money for prosecutions and investigations into gun crimes. And then the kind of big kahuna thing that we actually did see last year is the assault weapons bill. It was rejected in a House committee in 2023 by Democrats on the committee, but we expect it to return this year. Is that an example of one where within the Democratic Party politics are going to determine its fate? Uh, where, where is leadership on that proposal? 100%. That's kind of the king prime example of a bill where some in the Democratic Party want this, others think it's not such a good idea. Again, for those who don't know, Democrats hold a trifecta here. They control both the House, the Senate, and the governor's office. So anything they want to get done, they can within agreement within their own party. So this bill was rejected last year. It would have ban the sale or transfer of what is defined in, in the measure as an assault weapon, which broadly is a huge swath of semi-automatic rifles and handguns and shotguns. And this bill is going to come back even though it seems like the political realities haven't really changed. Maybe it gets through the House Judiciary Committee where it failed last year because the makeup of that committee has changed. Maybe it gets through the House even because that's the more liberal chamber in the legislature. But the Senate is a real big question mark. And then finally, even if it makes it to the governor's desk, which again is a really, really big question mark, the governor has all but said that he would veto this. And he said, look, we have other bills that we're searching for. There's Supreme Court decisions that say that we can't even implement some of the stuff that we passed in 2023. And even one of the loudest gun control voices in the Capitol, Tom Sullivan, whose son was killed in the 2012 Aurora Theater shooting, isn't necessarily on board with an assault weapons sale ban as being a great way to, to prevent gun violence. He says that it, it'll only prevent a certain kind of gun violence, the everyday gun violence that we see in Denver and suicides. Um, that won't, wouldn't be prevented by this. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, it seems like that one is really targeted at kind of the, the high-profile mass shootings, right? But a lot of the other legislation is more geared towards how can we make ownership safer? How can we uh, make sure that uh, gun owners are being responsible? How can we make it harder for people to take weapons uh, to certain public places? Um, and I think that the interesting thing about those measures is those are potentially going to end up in in court and, and having to figure out, okay, are these regulations permissible under the Second, Second Amendment under the uh, today's conservative Supreme Court? Uh, what are your thoughts about kind of the future of, of these measures? Are, are most of these going to end up in court? Is it Are some more likely than others? Yes. So basically all of the gun measures that are passed by the legislature in Colorado these days end up being litigated in federal court. Rocky Mountain gun owners, which ha used to have a lot more political influence in Colorado, it was behind some of those recalls that I mentioned in 2013, is bringing lawsuits left and right every time the legislature passes one of these bills. They've shifted the battle uh, on these measures away from the Capitol to the court system. So whereas in the past, one of these bills might would have been brought and Rocky Mountain gun owners would bring 600 people to the Capitol to testify against it, they're basically saying, look, we know we can't stop this. It can go to an all-night hearing, but the bill's going to pass anyways. We're going to put up a fight against it, but then sue in court. And they're using this U.S. Supreme Court decision. It's called the Bruin case out of New York, 
which basically says there has to be like a historical context in order for a gun law to be acceptable under the Second Amendment. It's it's quite a nuanced decision, and, and it's still being litigated in state and federal courts before something can be found constitutional under the Second Amendment. So one of those bills that I mentioned that got passed in 2023, the raising the age to 2021, is actually not being put into effect right now because a federal judge blocked it under that Bruin decision in the Supreme Court. And you've also got the three-day waiting period, which is being litigated. We've seen a lawsuit recently filed against another bill that was passed in 2023 that would require changes to when someone can possess a so-called ghost gun or homemade weapon. It would require that it would have be serialized. And we're starting to see lawsuits across the country on other gun laws, such as these those assault weapons bans, such as the magazine limits that are already in place in a lot of places. And that's what the governor was talking about when we asked him about the, the assault weapons back in late August, early September at Sunfest. Some of you might have remembered our interview from back then where I said, look, are you if, if this assault weapons ban makes it to your desk, will you pass it? Will you sign it into law? And he said, look, we can't even get our other stuff implemented. So I don't know why we would think that if that passes, it would be held up in the courts. Assault weapons ban or a sale, a ban on the sale of assault weapons in Colorado, a bill was brought and didn't make it through in the legislature. If that landed on your desk, how would you? Well, you know, a lot of the whole discussion around gun safety um, is now under the framework of the Brewer Bruin decision. Um, So it's a little bit different legal context. As you currently, you probably know, well, you reported on it, even our increasing the age limit uh, is not in force right now. This is a tough fight on everything, but I mean, we, we, we have not yet even succeeded in being able to raise the age limit to 21. That's interesting, Jesse. Thanks so much for joining me and I hope everyone else has a great rest of your week. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. Lauren Boebert was not the center of attention for a change as Republicans running in Colorado's fourth congressional district met for their second major primary debate. The face-off came Monday night in Douglas County, where more than half of the 4th District's population lives. Most candidates on stage all but ignored Boebert and stuck to their talking points. That was a departure from the first Republican primary debate last month when Boebert was a frequent target. Boebert joined the race in the Republican stronghold after dropping her re-election bid in the 3rd Congressional District, where she had stiff competition from Democratic challenger Adam Frisch. A Denver disability rights attorney who spent his career fighting to make sure public places were accessible to all died this month at the age of 57. Friends and former colleagues of Kevin Williams are honoring his tireless work for the Colorado Cross Disability Coalition. That includes courtroom battles that made some of Denver's most popular attractions more accessible to people with disabilities, including Red Rocks Park and Amphitheater. Williams died February 6th at a Denver hospital from acute respiratory failure as a result of sepsis and pneumonia. And just in time for Valentine's Day, a University of Colorado professor is sharing the latest research on the brains of prairie voles for insight into the neuroscience of committed relationships. The rodents are in the 3% to 10% of mammals that practice monogamy, which makes them a top contender for lab research on human romance. They've helped Zoe Donaldson understand how love and grief shape the vol brain in hopes of understanding human ones. Visit coloradosun.com for more about the love lives of voles. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Now a quick message from our team. Hi, I'm Tamara Chung, and I write about business and technology for the Colorado Sun. 
A large part of my beat is the Colorado economy and covering the ups and downs of losing a job, finding a job, running a business, all that fun stuff. You'll find coverage every Saturday in What's Working, and it's free because we feel all Coloradans need to know this stuff in order to stay better informed. You know, that's how we roll here, by the way. And that's why we'd appreciate your support to help keep the Colorado Sun sustainable. If you'd like to become a member, you can just go to coloradosun.com slash join today. Thanks.